Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 186. I had a chat with a guy called Dean Chandler. I used to work with Dean at the CD store many years ago, and around that time, he put out a self-titled debut album that featured Emmylou Harris, Nora Jones, Larry Campbell, who plays with Bob Dylan, and many other players, uh, Beck Runger, loads of famous and great talented people played on this guy's album. But it was the only album he ever did, and it sort of ran its course, and... Uh, and, you know, I've talked about this before. I hit Nick Bollinger up on stage on a pod, on an episode of the podcast where we talked live in Napier. And I reminded Nick that this was one of the scathing reviews that he had done. Nick Bollinger's not known for his um, savage reviews. He likes to promote and be warm. And he was saying on stage that he couldn't really remember tackling an album and being rough. And I called him out and said, you, you, you really ripped into my mate Dean's album. I liked Dean's album when it came out, and I revisited it recently. I still think that it's a nice album, and a while ago I thought about talking to him, but I'd kind of lost contact with him. We've been in touch over the years, but I I just didn't have his contact details. Out of the blue, a couple of weeks ago, he messaged me and said, hey, I've just started listening to your podcast, and I really like it. And I wrote back and said, thanks, we need to get your story. And he wrote straight back and said, yeah, it's kind of a cool story, I'd be into that. So here we are. Um, He came around to my house on a Sunday night recently and we talked through this incredible story of how he found his way to making an album with all of these famous people on it. Um, It's a cool story. You'll hear tracks from the album. I'll include a link to the full album on Spotify for anyone that wants to check it out that never got to hear it at the time. We're talking about an album that came out in the early, early 2000s. So all of this, all of this networking happened pre-social media. I just thought it was a really interesting story and and Dean tells it well. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. My thanks as always to Yeasty Boys, Tea Leaf Tea and La Petite Chocolat. This is me talking with Dean Chandler. Yes, I grew up in, uh, in Wellington and have remained uh, Wellington loyal. I just, just love the mm. city, but mainly at, um, at Whitby and out Plymouthton. Mm-hmm. So sort of hung around out there. And um, I was one of, well, still am one of uh, five boys, and my dad was always into, uh, always into music. So yeah. you know, some of my earliest memories, I remember he went out one day to buy a needle for the record player. Came back with a uh, CD player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was one of those really cool, cool times. Yeah. And, he, and he came back with a handful of albums. One of them was uh, was Tracy Chapman. Yeah. And the, the other one was uh, Eurythmix. Yeah. Uh, the album with Thorn on my side on it. Yeah, and those yeah, sorts yeah, of things. yeah, yeah. So, and there was an Elvis one there too. So we were, we were, we always had music around. There was yeah. heaps of Elvis stuff that went on. Yeah. Where about what number there. are you in, in that gang I'm of the boys? Elvis. You are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew you were near the top. Yeah. Yeah. Because I met because I met most of your brothers, but yeah, yeah. And there was always a guitar around home. Mm. So Dad always had this guitar, which I've still got today. It's a Suzuki thing that he bought from uh, Northern Music in Poirou, which mm. uh, actually really sadly has just closed down recently. In fact, that's the... Um, that was, oh, his name escapes me. Uh, it's embarrassing, but he's the guy that wrote Tale Off Begins at 40. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I know, know um, Yeah, yeah. Hogsnort, yes, yes, and um, so look, we were we were always around music, and I guess the guitar was there, and I I just picked it up and started playing it, mm. really, really one day, and mm. it was self taught. I mean, I'm not a not a, a brilliant guitarist, Mm-mm. but you can accompany yourself. And I'm a pretty you... good rhythm guitarist, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, not not technically, yeah, a great guitarist. But I certainly was around music, yeah, a lot. So what were you? What else was going on for you when you were a kid and when you were at school and that? Were you trying to? Were you? Were you big into sports and stuff, or was it? Or was it music? Was the thing? No, I. Uh, so I, I was at Wellington College and actually I was my my third form year. I was in um, Brett McKenzie's class. Oh yeah, yeah. Three CC. Yeah. Mrs. Calder. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and those guys were you know they were musical back then. Eh? Mm-hmm. They were mm. him and uh, Toby Manhart, I think were. Were, were just they they were just into it, but no, I I uh, no I wasn't I was particularly shy sort of um, little fella at school and mm. never really did too much really. I certainly wasn't an academic genius. I went to university years later as an adult student, but um, I you know we all I guess what we did back then we we, we were just into sort of um, our sport was surfing really. We were yeah. a bit of a surfing family. Yeah. That's kind of what we did, really. Yeah, All yeah. five of us and my dad and, and mates and so forth. 
Um, but never, never big into, never big into sports. Lo- I love sports, but mm-hmm. I never played sports a great deal. Mm. Mm. I was thinking, it's interesting. You came around today. I don't know if you saw that article. And I guess it was in the paper, a Sunday paper. It was on, on stuff online, and it was the, the headline was um, words to the effect of New Zealand celebrities who are no longer celebrities, people who gave up any sort of thing to do with being in the public eye, and how um, how they got on with their life and did things afterwards. And 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 you know, celebrities are a loaded word, and we're not really talking about celebrity here, but. But your story links to that. This this was using examples like Ruth Carr and Minwee and Phil Boswick, who used to do okay. the um, you know music TV shows and stuff, and how they've they've got on and had normal jobs outside of you know just just disappearing basically. But how they get recognised or their career comes up and and, and they talk about it. We're going to talk about your your pre career, your your uh, musical. Um, window that you occupied for a time, I guess. Mm. Uh, do do you get like? Have you told this story much? And do you, do you work with people that <coughs> you say to them, oh, I'm, "I put a record out with Emily Harris on it." You know? Do you have? You know, I, <laughs> do you brag about it, or does it come? I, up? I wouldn't say I brag about it because it's probably one of the things. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why I don't do it these days. I, yeah. I was never particularly good at probably being an artist and <laughs> promoting myself yeah. up front, but. What I find is other people tell other people. Yeah, so yeah, we might yeah. be at a. Yeah. I was at a conference recently for work, and someone mentioned it. One of my staff actually mentioned it, and it became yeah. a conversation. And yeah. ended up me being on the stage with the band in Fiji that night, and you know, so yeah, I put yeah, a, but, yeah. but I was I I'm not going to go. Hey, I'm a musician. Can I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put an album out. Yeah, no, yeah, just, yeah. It's just, not, it's just not my thing. And, no. And I think because because I think. It, it is a cool story in the sense with Emmylou Harris and uh, Larry Campbell and Nora Jones, Nora Jones and all <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. And I think some people just think you're just talking crap, honestly, when you yeah. tell them. Well, I was thinking about it. I mean, I listened to you, you know, when when, when I said to you, you know, because you had been on my list for a long time of people to talk to. I thought, this is such a good medium for you to tell your story because if you wrote it up as a feature article now, you get no sense of you. Mm. Like, it would just be a person writing it. You know, you'd have your voice would be in there in some sense, but... For you to actually talk through how this all happened, and and why it happened, and the way it happened, I think is is, is hopefully compelling. And I had always thought it's so funny when you messaged me because I had dumped all my contacts, new phone. Yeah, right. You know, and yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I couldn't. I you sent me a text, and I'm like, brilliant. Now's the time. So Mm. I messaged you back and go, dude. I've actually, you know, we need to we need to catch up again. And so we met right back when this was happening. The early two thousands, we were both working at the CD store. Yeah, and um, and well, what were the steps before that? So you finished school. Yeah. So when I was, uh, I met a really good friend of mine, um, Ben Bell Booth, mm. who was mm. sort of my business partner, and he's still mm. a really good mate today. And and we we play in a band today still. Um, his dad is a guy called Stephen Bell Booth, who is a, a gospel. Gospel mm. guy won the Epsilon Silver Scroll yep. four times. Amazing, clever, clever guy. So I, I sort of, um, I, I guess Ben and I started playing and sort of, sort of grew up. I wouldn't say in the church, but we grew up um, churchy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not where, sure where I, where I land these days on all yeah. that sort of stuff, but it was certainly quite a. It was, was a cool the, place at the time. Yeah, yeah. So we had a band, um, and actually Barnaby Weir was was actually in our in our band. We had a band called Barney's Blue Holden. Yeah. And we used to play at um, we used to play at the Elizabeth Street Chapel uh, down here in the city, and and we did. Uh, I, I still remember we did uh, Hootie Guru's Kiss Ground and Yeah, Which You Walk or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and Redemption Song by by uh, Bob Marley and. I mean, I was just a nervous wreck. I mean, I, yeah. I performed, the f- performed the first set with my back to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And um, certainly today I'm still not, I'm, I'm no uh, Mick Jagger yeah, yeah. out there in, in, in front. But yeah. we sort of just started playing in the ba- in these bands. And yeah, we, yeah. we ended up doing a little bit of recording um, just at sort of local studios. Yeah. And, and so we sort of, I guess we were progressing with our skills, with the whole songwriting yeah, piece yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and developing stuff. But... Um, it kind of all. I'm, I'm trying to think. That's not until you start talking about it. Yeah, so yeah. You have to start 
<coughs> thinking about chronologically how it all how it all happened, right? Well, that's what it, yeah, that's that. Those are the bits that I don't because there's a wee bit I remember, and I was thinking like you know because I remember going to your album launch or or I presume it was album launch, but Bodega, a, yeah. a sort of showcase type thing. Yeah. And yeah, so I remember all of that very well. And so you guys had the you had the duo beforehand. Yeah, we had this. Well, what we, what we did is we, in our maybe twenty two or something like that, we we hooked up with a guy called Ross McDermott. Mm. Who's a uh, lives in Capity and uh, great bass player producer and and it was when Pro Tools just first came out. And he yeah. had a little home studio and really I had all these song ideas because I, I just I loved a really well crafted pop song mm-hmm. mainly from a, a melody point of view. Yeah, and um, and we started recording with him and so we were doing that and then we decided that and I say we because Ben was a big big part of um, of of what we did. We started basically knocking on the doors of record companies hmm. and um, one of the first um, record companies uh, that, that let us in the doors was Sony to have a chat with Malcolm Black yeah so we had a chat with him and he said look guys really you gotta go and build a following and all this sort of stuff really love the songs and, and I think it's great I, I'm not sure whether he uh, whether he told everyone this but yeah, uh, yeah. it was certainly enough for us at that time to go wow this is yeah yeah we've got something we're in with a chance here we're in yeah. with a chance yeah. and um and we ended up um, we ended up with Universal in the end, and, and yeah, we were a duet with this uh, band called Before Friday, which was right. hot on the tails of Savage Garden. Yeah, yeah, that's how I remember it. From yeah. a timing point of view. Yes, yes. Even to the point, actually, that um, Universal got a guy called Charles Fisher to come out and meet with us. He'd just produced the Savage Garden album. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, he'd just done a band in Australia, Taxi Ride, with you for me no. then, but... Um, and he'd, uh, I think he'd, re- he, he had produced Ear Supplies. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Um, big album as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so we had all these, but, but, but we were kind of conflicted because it was just, it was, it was more poppy than what we you, thought we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you intended, yeah. What we intended. So, um, so it just progressively built from there, really. Mm. And probably... I mean, I've never been a particularly patient person, and I probably never will be. So, part of the reason why this whole thing never perhaps went on further is because by the time it was potentially at the tipping point, I was kind of over it. Mm, mm. Yeah, you know, just taking so long. You talk to so yeah, many people, yeah, yeah. and you get so close, and then and then nothing really happens. So. Um, so before Friday released a single or two. You didn't do an album. Just just single or two. Yeah. It was a. Um, we released uh, two songs, yeah, yep. and um, and then there was a change of uh, change of manage- management at um, Universal. So Adam Hope, that's there mm. now, sort of mm. inherited a bunch of yeah. bunch of artists, and and he sort of felt they look really it's probably it's probably more sellable as a as a solo thing. Yeah, and um, so Ben and I talked about it, and that's what we decided to do really, and that sort of sparked the whole next phase, which was you. Which was me and fronting the, yeah. the operation, but he would have some involvement. He was an enthusiastic cheerleader at the least. Yeah, he was. He was sort of management yeah. and, and yeah. all, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And and you know that. And the next phase in the story was where we we got onto Brady Blade. Okay. Yeah. So so because so I didn't know you, I wouldn't have known you at this point. But Emily Harris comes to Wellington at the sort of height of her second rise to fame really, eh? Mm. Like Red the whole Dirt Girl. Red Dirt Girl yeah. and she'd done the Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all yeah. of that stuff had happened and obviously she was already famous and had put out loads of records, but in terms of this was at that time that country music was being picked up on the back of um, My Brother Were Out There soundtrack and yep. all that sort of stuff was happening around that and and she, Red Dirt Girl's just a great album and so she got a lot of exposure to an audience that maybe hadn't cared about her or been aware of her mm. beforehand. She, she sort of crossed over into sort of this um, gritty adult-oriented pop but yep. was still but was already a country legend but now she so she played at the Michael Fowler Centre in Wellington I went to that I reviewed that concert for Loop when Loop magazine had a website and they were trying to do, you know, be be across as many different things culture-wise as they could. And 
I got to review the Emmy Lou Harris gig, which is a big thing for me because I was a fan, and it was an amazing show. What were you doing there? Were you there as a fan? Well, were I was you, there. Were you there working for the CD store? Yeah, me and Ren. Yeah. Me and so Ren were, were, so were manning the stand downstairs. Before, this was probably just before I started working there. Yeah. So you, but, but, but were, you were selling merch. We were selling merch, yeah. And, yeah. We, and we stood in the, in the, in the Blinken corridors uh, drinking red wine that I'm sure we didn't pay for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite our case, but... but when you say how did I how, why was I there? It yeah. wasn't necessary just because we were selling merch with the CD yeah. store. That was a free. That ticket. was a way to get there, but you were a fan. How I got into Emily Harris though was I was I was living in Dunedin in my twenties, and um, there was a great music store down there. And I can't remember what it was, but I used to spend my Sundays just perusing yeah, the yeah. music stores and reading the credits on on CDs. And I yeah. and I've, I had always been a big fan of Peter Gabriel. And Sting and all those sorts of guys, but mm-hmm. but I, this is where I first came across uh, Daniel Lenoir. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so Daniel Lenoir and I came across him through Robbie Robertson. Yeah, really big fan of yeah, uh, yeah. the Robbie Robertson albums, and he had produced Wrecking Ball. Yeah, yeah. And so that's how I sort of I knew who Emily Harris was, but mm. I got into her mm. as a result of hearing that album. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote has, a couple of the songs. Yeah, the Maker is the big one that a lot of people have covered. And yeah, that's right. He's, and he plays. He's yeah, amazing talent. So that's so so when um, so well, that's, that that Wrecking Ball album was a real anomaly in her career in a way, right? And in that it brought it that was the one that brought in the new audience, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that just had that big, open, yeah. um, sort of um, guitar sound, which contradicted everything that she'd done, which yes. was sort of straight down the line, sort of yes. country stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I really loved too. Yeah. But I was just I was just getting into that whole Daniel Lenoir sound. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of great songs on there. Yeah. Um, Neil Young wrote one of those songs too. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah, um, that's right. It's off, um, gosh, the name escapes me now, but it's off, off his Freedom album. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we ended up there, and then, uh, yeah, Rian and What's I... What's the title track, Wrecking Ball? Of course it is. Yeah, it was yeah. just, it was, uh, it was awesome. So, um, great gig. Yeah. Great gig, and... Uh, no, it was an amazing gig. I remember she <clears throat> came out, um, the opening act was um, Buddy Miller, who was the guitarist in yeah. the band, who, you know, has a successful duo with his wife, and also has his own career going on and a few years ago he was Robert Plant's guitarist you know he turns up and does the session stuff but he was the opening act for Emmylou and then I always remember this being a cool thing she came out and did a duet with him during his set he was Mm. opening and she just sort of came out in her jeans and a shirt or whatever and waved to the crowd and blew them a kiss after singing the song and it was it was a really cool moment it was Mm. like wow she's the headliner but there she is just helping out the opening act yep then a lot of the people were going to find out oh that opening act's actually her guitarist and he's about to blow your mind with he was amazing yeah, it was absolutely incredible that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it was him um, yeah Brady Blade yeah it was playing drums and the bass player I'm sure the bass, bass player was um, uh, we went out with him that night I forget it might have been the guy Johnson the, yeah I was um, going to say is he the guy that's done a lot of stuff with Limwire and he was in the um Black Dub Band and stuff. Yeah, like that's that. cool. Yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing record there. Yeah, yeah. I think so it was that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I, it was. I agree. His yeah. name escapes me in terms of the context of the Amy Lou show, but I yeah. think that's what it was. Great band though, phenomenal band. Like the sort of band, you know, if it was an arts festival show or something, and people just turned up at it because they were dragged along, <laughs> you know, by someone who had a ticket, you'd just be blown away on the spot by the musicians. Plus. It's Emily Lou Harris, and she had her whole catalogue. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And look, there was, and the great thing about it was, of course, it was, I mean, I love that venue anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I think it's a, yeah. a fantastic venue. Yeah. And um, yeah, most things sound good there. You can't kind of go wrong. You you can always see. It's four. Yeah. It's four um, musicians. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And it just sounded awesome. So yeah. there was, there was just something about it which was just incredibly spatial and. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. No, it was a perfect. I've got good, strong memories of that show. Just being, you know, and my 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 big highlight was the next day. That was the first time I got the homepage for the Loop website. Like my review was yeah, the okay. lead story, and that was a big thing in my mm. trajectory or whatever as a writer. You know, like I'd been doing little filler pieces for them and hoping to get somewhere, 
and um, the editor was enough of an Emmy Lou Harris fan or, or liked what I wrote or both and put it on the front. I don't even know if it was a good review, but I remember being very proud of it at the time. Yeah. So that was my story. But what do you go and do? So you, how do you go from selling the merch to going out and having drinks with them? I honestly don't know how we... <laughs> I, I can't... I was thinking about it this week. No, I was coming to chat yeah. to you and I was thinking, well, what, what actually happened? But um, I, I just I just can't remember. But we, we I mean, essentially we ended up out back. You'd had um, enough of the free wines to to blow one barrier down, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, I know it was definitely Ben and I. I'm not sure whether whether Rian was out there with us or not, but uh, it got a photo with with Amy Lou and we just we just got chatting with the band. Yeah. And we ended up going out that night with them. Yeah, yeah. And um, taking them up to I think which was um, I forget the bar, but um, maybe the bar in the back of up above and behind Chow. Oh, yeah, 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 Motel. Might have been Motel at the yeah, time, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a, a, a popular one for, for that sort of thing. Like, I remember around that time. Yeah, late, late night. Yeah, yeah, and musicians, you know, it was nice and low-key for musicians to, visiting musicians to yeah. sit in a booth. I remember a mate of mine saying he was sitting there having a drink and the, the dudes from ZZ Top were sitting in the back there after their yeah, cool. show around that same time, yeah. It just yeah. had that kind of uh, yeah. dim lit. yeah. Dimly lit sort of scene, but I mean, in typical, I mean, was, again, I mean, I was, I was sitting there, Ben was lapping it up, going, This is going to be an all nighter. I'm thinking yeah. I've got to go to work in the morning. Yeah. Right? This, is, <laughs> this is starting to stress me out. But yeah, yeah. So we hung out with these guys, and then um, Ben dropped the, the Before Friday um, stuff and some demos to Brady's hotel the next day. Knocked on a door. So, what do you remember about, had there been a conversation around that? Because Around this time, Brady Blade ends up producing a bunch of New Zealand. It was before things. all of that. I know. I know your thing yep. was before all of that. But so you—that's right. And you'd sort of there's there's never really been any kind of acknowledgement or credit around that. I think. But he goes on to produce Brooke Fraser's album mm. and a couple of others. That um, I'm sure he did. A, did Jason Kirsten. I was going to say, did he do the first Op Shop album, perhaps, or something? And. Yep. Um, and I think there was a band called Eight, and they had some of the dudes from Super Groove in them. There was, there was a few different things going mm. on anyway that he ended up getting involved with. And he was trying to... What, what was he... Do, do you remember any kind of conversation with him around him wanting to step into the role of producer? Or? I don't remember a conversation specifically about that, but obviously it was at a stage in his yeah. life where he yeah. was wanting to transition from yeah. session drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, and so when you think about that, really... Um, because so he's... His brother... I mean, Brady Blade's a great drummer, a fantastic drummer. Yeah, then you got But his, his brother is Brian <coughs> Blade, who plays on a lot of the Lanois stuff we've been talking about. And yeah. Tours of Chick career. Yeah, he was here a few years ago, a couple of years ago with Wayne Shorter. And, yeah. you know, puts out... Also plays guitar and organ mm. and as a singer-songwriter and has... Um, I mean, I first saw him playing on a concert with Johnny Mitchell. You know, he's yep. done everything. And I think Brady's an amazing player, but Brian is a next level. So perhaps Brady was going, well, I'm going to do something else. <laughs> you know, it's time for me to do something else. Out, you know. Yeah, look, I just think it was one of those um, serendipitous things that, yeah. that had a little, bit of, um, a little bit of a push behind it. Yeah. So, so he gets a copy of the, so he, of, yeah, so of he the takes, demos, yeah. and it all goes quiet. Uh, look, it might have been a month, it might have been six yeah. months, I can't remember. But he... Um, yeah, so what were you guys thinking? Back. Like, oh, well, well hit, hit and hope. Like, that was yeah. worth, that was worth <clears> doing. <throat> are, are you kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to hear, but we probably won't? Is Pretty it that much. sort of vibe? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. it was... Yeah, I mean, so so then he comes back and says, well, look, like, I really love these songs. I'm really keen to, to, to talk about this. So, so the next part of the, the, the story was, okay... He's uh, Dean Chandler. Uh, we now need to go and convince the record company to bring this guy in mm. who, um, who hadn't produced an album. And where was he living in Sweden? Yeah, I was going to say he was living in, in Sweden, Sweden, right? Yeah. yeah. So there was a sort of a quite a long drawn out process there, and and, and rightfully so for, for yeah. the record company going, well, look, why can't we do this locally? Or, or surely there's <laughs> got to be some other options. Yeah, yeah. Instead of this guy who's a drummer with all these these people. Anyway, yeah. he comes out to New Zealand with these two Swedish guys, um, Johan and uh, Joachim, who just just were multi instrumentalist guys. Yeah. And um, 
and we started. Uh, we spent two weeks in, in the studio just um, just jamming these songs, basically in preparation for the album. And Brady was just starting to. He he actually left halfway through that to go and drum on um, Dave Matthews Band. Some right. people. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was right at that right at that cusp where I think his his career was taking off as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Man, I remember I remember sitting and just being blown away by him that that at that Emily Harris concert, like him in particular. For me, I was I mean they're all you know obviously Buddy Miller was extraordinary the whole band, but I do remember just his approach to to drumming, and I knew who Brian Blade was at that point. Mm. So I was just going. You know, I couldn't quite work it out for a second. Is this is are they is this is this his name when he's not playing straight jazz? Oh no, it must be a relative. Like, yeah, right. You know, rah rah rah, it must be. And because this is all pretty early days of the internet in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking same for you with your connection with them. Like in terms of hearing back, you're not getting, you know, yeah. emails up and running, and we, you know, I'm writing for a website and stuff. But this is like <laughs> right around the year 2000, 2001. It's a good point, actually. It was yeah, very yeah. very limited. Yeah. No social media. No. So you're not just straight away going and looking someone up on, you know, it's it's still a bit of a grind to do that and find out much. You. Well, I mean, even even the example of the the actual CD being handed to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, that's you just, right. you just yeah. don't really do that these days. No. You might send a link, right? Yeah, of course. They check my check my track out. So. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so we, we ended up really from there, just on this 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 pretty cool journey of um, of recording this album. And so you've got the songs for it, like you yep. you were always going to do the <clears> album. <throat> One way or another, that's what you're working towards. But when you hear back from him and he's like, and you convince Universal or whatever that he's coming out, you actually everything's in place for the record. Yep. And uh, so he he disappears, and what he comes back to add things. How do obviously his he has the connection to Emmylou Harris, but how, what are the conversations around Nora Jones and Emmylou Harris and Larry Campbell? And some of the guys from Nora Jones's mm. band are on there too, aren't they? Like, um, so so by the time so Brady leaves during the kind of the whole um, two weeks and just just jamming yeah. these songs. Yeah, you know, it was the most. It's kind of like going on a. I mean, we played in bands and and dabbled, uh, Ben and I, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and myself. But this was like in a room with these freaks of nature musicians. Yeah. Just playing all day long, just trying to sort of get, get a bit of a feel for how the songs sound, what's the structure. And um, <clears throat> so he took off during that. Sort of how day. intimidated are you as a player in that context? Yeah, I was just talking about, you, you know, you're saying you're, you're, you're not like a superstar player, but you're confident <coughs> in your own ability and what you've been doing. What's it like? <laughs> well, they, lo- they, they love the songs. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to acknowledge and take credit for writing good hockey songs yeah. right yeah 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 um so they were they were just they were into the songs yeah so that kind of that kind of leveled us in, yeah. a, in a certain way because when you meet all these amazing musicians i mean some of the best musicians can't write yeah that's right a hockey song right yeah 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 so, and they're and they are on some level in awe of that because they need that to be able to do what they do yeah that's it's right. just that yeah, whole yeah. skill set piece. Yeah. Everyone's, yeah, yeah. everyone's sort of got got their own sort of um their era of expertise so so yeah, so then we, we hit the studio and, and really, I guess at the time, the whole Larry Campbell thing came about because Bob Dylan was touring. And so we all went to the... Um, With, um, that would have been the Love and Theft. Yeah, yeah, so we went to the, went to the, we yeah. all went to the went to the gig. Yeah. And ended up back at the hotel hanging out with those guys too. And I heard you mention the uh, guitarist from Fleetwood Mac for uh, Billy... Um, Oh, Billy Burnett. Billy Burnett. Yeah, yeah. So we hung out with him for the right. night because yeah, he was yeah. touring with Bob Dylan. Yeah, at the time. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was cool having a chat to him, and I yeah. said, you know, and, I mean, naively, I was like, well, so what, what have you been up to? And he said, oh, I've just finished touring with Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Larry Campbell just came in the next day, and um, he was the only person that we that we paid. Right. You know, in, in terms of the big names, yeah, he just yeah. wanted five hundred bucks cash. Yeah, and he comes in and plays um, plays fiddle and um, dobro and yeah, just the the coolest guy. Yeah, classic sort of when American you say, guy. When he wants five hundred bucks cash, what's that conversation? Is it is it like that's the agreement beforehand? Or that's just the deal Brady just, had with him. Right. So yeah. Brady was pulling all these strings. Yeah, yeah. Brady yeah, was yeah. essentially saying, "Hey, look, I'm doing this album." Yeah. Um, There's not a massive budget, but. 
what can you do for me kind of thing and then people are saying I'll, I'll do that yeah and, and so look at the end of the day I guess they were doing it for Brady yeah 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 but you can't forget that these people don't put their names to things that that's right that are, that are shit that, right that's right so, they, they that's right yeah 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 they're gonna they're actually gonna say oh, I'll do it for you but I don't want my name on it and he's gonna go well I want your name on it because it's my producing career and mm. I believe in this and that so those sorts of conversations are happening whether you know it or not basically yeah and I'm, and I'm honestly not sure whether uh, Brady was doing it at that time yeah. necessarily to have the names yeah right he was, he was just focused on producing a who song do I play, know who can play album. well yeah yeah who could do something on this and, and I think and I think that's was one of the big struggles for all of us involved in this album is how do you now take this album which has got this a nobody and myself with yeah. all these amazing artists on it yeah. and, and how do you make that work yeah. and so yeah, he, he he just came and played, and it was just it was amazing. It was it was relaxed as. Did you did you? I mean, you can answer this now, obviously, with 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 you know, fifteen years in the in the distance. But you're sort of hinting at it. But were you thinking? Were you fluctuating between? Fuck! I can't believe my luck. To, God, I've got, you know, I am the poster boy for. Imposter syndrome, like how the yeah. fuck? Because it's it's, great, it's two it's a, sides of the coin. Like it's a great analysis of it. Either way, how the fuck did this happen? Right, like can't believe your luck, or fuck, am I good enough for this? Mm. Like, oh, definitely back and forth on that. Yeah, on that uh, pendulum, no, no doubt about it. Probably to a lesser extent on the whole imposter thing. Mm-mm. Um, I'm just using that. You know what I'm saying, by yeah, no, it's a, it is, using that as a term. We all we all have that throughout, yeah, throughout the, our lives. If we're doing, still, if we're putting still anything, do. yeah, exactly. Um, no, I just it was it, it just happened so fast. Yeah, you know, and, and I and and um, what's the record company doing? Like rubbing their hands together potentially, or you know, what what are they broadly and you know what are the talks there? Are they going fuck? How's this happening? Or or is it all happening before they know it? Have they just it's, signed you to a record and agreed to your producer and then they don't actually know that Nora Jones is going to play piano on the no, track? Or no. They, they, these things they, so they just know that when they handed a finished... They, they knew that they, like, they would have got a debrief. I mean, sure. Brady would have been having a debrief with the finance team saying, hey, what's yeah, yeah. the budget going? What are we spending the money on? Et sure. And, um, and I know it costs more than, than they... Yeah, right. Anticipated just because I think of the time and yeah. Brady shooting off overseas and so forth. But these things were just happening. I mean, the whole Nora Jones thing came about because she was touring, and so Brady says, "Look, I might, I'm going to try and get Nora Jones to come in." And we're thinking, "Oh yeah, whatever." And this is Nora Jones. She's just debuted and she's massive. Or just well, the after. week after. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. went back and won those seven grand. That's what I mean. So she's 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 about to become yeah. massive, but she's obviously a talking point as soon yeah. as that album comes out so absolutely first crest of fame for her yeah yep. yeah and so, and so she comes in with her band and um, and they were probably there for three or four hours just jamming out this one song on the album She yeah and um, again just I don't know maybe, maybe it's maybe it's that whole artist community which is um, somewhat um, bad for itself in a sense that everyone sort of mucks in mm. And um, no one gets paid, and it's all done for love and mm, for the art mm. and all that sort of stuff, you know. I mean, and we benefited from it at the time, but I often think, imagine if you had to negotiate that the proper way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nora Jones, who goes on to win seven <laughs> Grammys literally the Friday after she, she plays on the album. <laughs> it kind of just doesn't make sense, you know. No. And, then, and uh, Bick Ranger was hanging around the studio as well at the time, and um, she ended up singing on a couple of a couple, yeah. of couple of tracks. Yeah. And then there was the whole uh, Emily Harris thing, and so that that happened um, back in Nashville. And um, so her and Buddy Miller uh, recorded her vocals on the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so I wasn't, say that I wasn't was... present for that. No, unfortunately. But you met her in that first. Yeah. yeah no, you had. So you can still say of. I mean, it's cool enough to have someone like that on your record, but you have at least enough of a connection with them that you've gone, well, I did actually meet this person. This whole thing got in motion through yep. going to her concert, right? So Yeah. <laughs> and like, I often wonder, and I think I think probably the reality is she probably wouldn't even remember it. No, well, to be she honest, well, you know, 
you still get to say, you know, like Emmylou Harris sung on one of my records. I mean, name, na- you know, outside of all of the very fine work she's done under her own name, you know, what are the other records she's sung on? You know, people like Bob Dylan, and Ryan Adams, when you're allowed to mention him, you know, when he wasn't a <laughs> yeah. name, and, you know, again, like when he was just coming up and um, Bright Eyes, you know, like all this sort of stuff that she's... You know, you could build an amazing compilation of her as a as a as a duet partner and harmony vocalist. Yeah. You know, never mind her own material. Oh, look, and I think with everything done and uh, life moves on, and you, you end up doing all sorts of other things. I mean, it's still one of the things that I'm just fiercely proud of. Yeah. Not because we managed to get these musicians on an album. It's not the celebrity factor. Yeah. It's the fact that I and. And, and Ben and, and we, we wrote these songs and these people were prepared at no cost yeah. to put their time and energy into them. Yeah. Albeit through the community of, of the whole art scene through Brady. But you know, that's just an amazing thing that I'll always but be the, proud of. The and the songwriter in you, and I know I mean you've you've hinted at it here in this conversation, but I know when I first met you, um and always really we've talked about songs and songwriting like we've talked about music but in the years we've known each other that's i know that's always been a big thing for you but the songwriter in you and therefore the egotist in you likes to think well artist community aside these people liked my songs on some level that's yeah. that's that's of a course. hope right like, of course yeah 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 well i think it's a reality too right because you just well as you said before they're not going to put their name to something no. if it's junk no and you have to assume that. So on a on a good day, or when you want to have a good day, and then remind yourself that it's a good day, you go, oh, "These people like my songs," and mm. you know. And Larry Campbell also happens to like Bob Dylan's songs, and he's not a bad songwriter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, and things like that. There's all, there's all of that, and and, and still very proud of it. Mm. So, how protracted is all of this from you, from you going to that Emily Harris concert to the record coming out? It's how long? Oh, it's under a year. Right. Under a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, all, it all happened pretty quickly, as I said before. Yeah. So, which is which is why it was sort of so hard for everyone to sort of get their head around a bit. Mm-hmm. And and so by the time, uh, without speaking for the record company, but by the time it all sort of happened, I just think, well, how do you how do you market this thing? Because there's there's kind of a there were some similarities, um, although I, th- I think disappointingly, with Robbie Williams on mm. on, on on one of the songs, and then mm. there was other similarities with this and Mm-mm. and that, and I just think it was a bit, it was a bit hard to probably understand how to market it. I was not a, um, as I said to you before as well, I'm not a natural kind of front man. I want to be out there in the limelight type mm. thing either. I probably wasn't a particularly fun artist for Universal at the time. What do you remember about that? I mean, I remember doing that gig at Bodega and possibly playing somewhere else in town that escapes me around the same time. You had a band together for those shows. It sounded pretty good. Was Jess Chambers singing? Yeah, Jess. Um, maybe. Yeah. Godfrey De Groot yeah. played as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From um, yep. Shafu's band. Yep. Yeah, and a kids. bunch of other things he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, some good players. I think we even involved. Uh, I think even Rian came up and played. Uh, yeah, I think he did. Yeah. 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 So he had some good players involved, and it did sound good. Mm. Um, but you're, you know, you're you're not a natural. You're not you're not a natural showman, entertainer. You're saying. So were you thinking? Fuck! I've just got to grip through this and get better at this, and this is the future. Or are you going? No, I, I love know, performing what? live. Yeah. I mean, I love. Um, I mean, I've always enjoyed playing playing in bands. Mm-hmm. I love. I love the texture and the how, how you how you bring everything together, right? And and creating that space live is actually one of the biggest challenges, and not overplaying and all that sort of thing. So it was it was never from that point of view. I probably just was a. I think I just was a tough gig to market mm. for the record company. Mm. I think it just was a was a bit of a challenge for we me. Go back and we, I mean, you you see, you know, you referred to yourself um, as a nobody. It's like you go back and you look at this record with all these names on it, and the album is called Dean Chandler by someone called Dean Chandler, and it's a debut album. And we don't know. I mean, I knew you. Mm. I was you know I was working mm. in the store with you. You had good support from the crew in the store and and that. Um, but yeah, there is something kind of like if you you know I don't know if 
don't know if you're able to step outside of that and look at it, but there is something kind of um, mildly incongruous, to say the least, about, wow, you know, who is this guy now? And I, I always thought that was the marketing story, that that's, that was the hook and that was what was great. How is this guy and how the fuck did he get these people on this record? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and it's almost this sort of guy that almost almost doesn't want all this. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. this record was going to happen anyway. Yeah. This yeah. record was going to happen anyway. Like, and well, it's you're, really great, you're really grateful for the contributions and blown away, but you're almost a little bit, like, bewildered in the sense that it was going to happen anyway. Yeah, and it kind of happened to me. It, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't designed. The only, the only design part was maybe just the intention of getting that album to Brady at the time. Yeah. But what? But what went on from there was 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 just a bit of a roller coaster, really. So. Yeah, I mean, look, I. I often. I, I have days where I I probably lament what could have been, mm. and and if if I had approached things a little bit differently and perhaps. Grabbed it. With a little bit more vigor, I'm, I've always been a bit of a bit of a pragmatist, and mm -hmm. um, and so you know, and maybe if I had sort of sort of gone and just pursued it overseas and, and followed it for a period of time, it, it may have been different. I don't know. I, I certainly don't. Uh, I, I don't necessarily have regrets about the whole thing, and mm. it's. Um, Oh, I mean, it's 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 interesting, you know. I've listened, gone back and listened to the album recently. Obviously, knowing I was going to talk to you, as well, um, and I'm kind of like, you know, my 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 understanding and memory of that album hasn't really changed. Like listening to it, I'm like, yeah, that that record's kind of exactly what it exactly what it was at the time is what it is now. Like it, I feel like it's um, it's aged pretty well. Yeah, I I you agree. Know? I listened to it the other day too, and it just. And I, I, I like listening to my own music. I'm not one of those people that sort of is, can't go and listen to yeah. their own stuff, you know. Brings back heaps of memories. And, yeah, yeah. And um, I listened to it the other day. I've still got f lot, lots of friends uh, that, that, that still listen to it as well. And it still sounds good, I think. Mm. It still sounds like an album which which wasn't trapped in sort of the early 2000s um, sound. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I also thought, you know, again, obviously I, I can have this thought because I know you and I and I knew you at the time and I knew what you were hoping to do and what you're interested in. But I listen to it and go, you know, here's a person who cares about songs, trying to put songs in the world. You know, it wasn't it's not, oh this is the album that could have made this person famous. Mm. This is the album that was supposed to launch, you know, a pop star or a you know, or a whatever, you know, like a, a, a giant touring career. This was a set of songs this person wanted to put into the world and they're recorded and shaped as well as could happen at the time. Mm. And that's that's what I always remember it sounding like and, and think it still does. So when the record comes out, my memory is that many of the reviews seem to almost hold it against you that you had guest artists of that calibre rather than sort of rather than asking that question that I sort of suggest how the fuck did this happen and isn't that great like how did that happen I feel like people were almost like projecting who the fuck is this person and why has this happened not you know not how but why like why him why not someone else not yeah I went back um, uh, my wife and I sat down um, on Friday night and went back and googled some of those reviews right so there was the Grant Smithies one yeah uh, the um, Philip Bailey yeah um, who only just came across um, on Friday night, mm. which was a particularly harsh review yeah, as well. Yeah. And then there was Nick Bollinger's one. Yeah, Nick's was the surprising one. Now that I revisited that with Nick, um, whether he liked it or not, when um, at Christmas time, well, actually it was it was October last year. I did it and I put it up on the podcast at Christmas time. But I recorded a conversation that we had. Um, about music writing in Hawke's Bay at the Arts Festival and I recorded it and with you know with everyone's permission and put it up as an episode of the podcast and when I was editing and listening back to it, it made me laugh because he was talking about how he didn't really like to give harsh reviews and he couldn't really remember ever giving one and I sort of gave him a bit of stick <laughs> on stage and I said I said I can remember you giving a harsh one I said you, you really let um, Dean Chandler have it about his album I, and he was kind of like oh, oh did I you know you know oh, I can't really remember oh you might be right actually mm. and uh, and it was just a bit of friendly kind of stick but I, I just remember being surprised by that because Nick had always 
had the approach and I think still has the approach of, you know, I don't really want to bag things, I want to pick interesting things and talk about why I think they're interesting. But but he definitely had that approach or, or, in that review of like, well, how, how's this guy got Emilio Harris on here? Yeah, when we, look, when I went back and read it... Yeah, probably wasn't that harsh, but I... Well, my, um, certainly my wife didn't think it was as, as harsh as yeah. it perhaps. Um, I mean, he, now, was she in your life at that time? Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he he yeah he gave me a bit of a bit of crap for for mm. one of the lyrics I think mm. called it like it was like a hallmark card. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so and I, I sort of I I just took all that sort of stuff on the chin. I I never really um, thought that a review mm. or reviews mm. could have the power that they potentially did. And, and look, I can't sit here and say I know you made the point when you put the little post up on off the tracks the other day that. The reviews potentially sunk the album. Well, that, yeah, that's my that's your take feeling. That's yeah. my take. Yeah, yeah. And I can't, I, I, I can't be certain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could but just back, be pure timing as well. Certainly, back then, reviews had an impact. Yeah, on they did. Sales because yeah. we know because we worked in one of the chain stores around that time too, so we know the impact that they had. We. I mean, were you still working there when the record came yeah. out? You were. Yeah, was, so, did yeah. you ever sell copies? Because I, you know, I, I think read... I was there on Sunday, on one of the Sundays when the because it was there was the Grand Smithies one, which gave me two Ow. stars. I remember reading it in in the city store at the time, <clears throat> and um, and being pretty gutted, but perhaps not. I, I I understood how important it was to get a good review there, but I certainly yeah. didn't think it would perhaps undo undo everything. Did you ever sell copies of your own album? Yeah, yeah, like like yeah. just people came up to you uh, and you were serving, and yeah. you didn't necessarily say, "Oh, that's my album." Nah, they, and well, they typical, didn't. No, no, I'm typical sure. form. I, 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 I'm sure you wouldn't. But but <clears throat> did you ever get spotted by someone? Do you remember? Oh, there was a little bit of that. Yeah, o- over the years. I mean, because I'm, you know, Ryan. You're, you're talking about Ryan, Ryan Shea, and he's been on the podcast too. And and uh, and you know, I remember standing next to him when he would sell copies of his album. Yeah, as the person serving, and he was very unlikely to. Hey, that's my album. Do you want to right. sign or anything like that? But sometimes there'd be people behind the counter working with him, going, "Hey, you realise?" I know. That, you realise that, that as well. Yeah. 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 And so he would never begrudge a customer that if it came out. No, nor he, would I. Yeah, exactly. But you're not going to be the ones to break it. No. I mean, Ryan's become a, a yeah. brilliant self-promoter these yes. days, right? Yes. What he does and. Um, and I think that's that's what all. The but new back then he was he was you were in the same boat, you know. Yeah. He was he had one album out, you know. It was yeah. the same thing, right? Like yeah. he had his debut album, and that yeah. was it. And it went very well, mm. and you know, it's sort of part of the reason why he's continuing to do what he's doing and onward and upward. But um, but it was still just one album at that time for him. Yeah, and um, you know, I think if you look at reviews again, mm. they are what they are at the time, right? And and I guess. The only frustrating thing I would say is that I think the criticism of the album is, in a sense, uh, I I, th- I think you're right. I think I think there was a little bit of sort of how did he do this? He, mm. he perhaps ought not deserve this. And I don't want to yes, call it tall, that, I call it tall poppy because I think that's thrown around too yeah, much. Yeah, but there's yeah. a, potentially a little bit of that. Yeah. And really, to well, it was. I, I think people were just baffled. What you know? Why haven't I heard of this person? If he's got Emmylou Harris on his record, why haven't I already heard yeah. of him? You know, and it's like, well, just have a listen now and see what you think. Like, rather than go, he didn't deserve. Her. You know, but that, again, that's my take. That's what yeah. I and look, and whether happening. you whether you liked the lyric of a song, sure. or didn't like a song, or thought was the bottom line is is that Emmylou Harris and Buddy Miller for no money still sat in a studio somewhere yeah. in Nashville, yeah, yeah, and spent hours. Getting it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. And so that that's that's the story. Yeah. That's the interesting part. Yeah. Not whether one of the lines is a little bit kind yeah. of like lyrically lazy or or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but I, but at the same time, I didn't I didn't understand back then that it would be critiqued so much, and there's probably an absolute naivety in there. And I guess if you're going to go and have those people on your record, you, there is going to be critique that comes That's with it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so I, I actually more that. chance of it. Yeah, <clears throat> certainly not bitter about it. Mm. Well, what happened? Like, do you is there a conversation with the record company around any of that sort of stuff? Are they like, do they are they giving you feedback going, hey, you know, sales are okay, but mm-hmm. reviews are bad, or sales haven't been great, and we're a bit worried about the review. You know, are you, when did, does any of that stuff happen for you? A lot of that was happening via Ben, who's yeah. doing the management mm-hmm. side of things. 
and Ben would always sugarcoat everything. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, back to you. Back to me. But there was, um, there, there would have been those conversations going on. Yeah. And, and essentially what happened is that the whole thing really just petered out. Yeah. So you said, you know, like you started to feel you were in some sense uh, restless or something, you know, like what's the next thing in a way by the time it had happened. But but what it, what does the next thing end up being and, and, and what immediate regrets do you have around that? Or, or I could have ditched that part of my life. And uh, and gone overseas and pursued this and and there'll always be there'll always be some form of uh, not regret but man what a what, what yeah, would what happen if we both had gone and done that mm. you know we probably got a little bit caught up in the whole concept of you know let's buy a house and, and do the whole real uh, New Zealand thing and so there will always be a what if mm. but I'm not sure I'm not sure regret is necessarily the well, you've got a series, I mean, like anyone, you've got a series of what-ifs because you've got all the what-ifs around, like, what if someone else took that gig that night with someone who merged Eagle to Harris and they, someone put up their hand a, bit, a little bit higher and you didn't get to go? Or, you know, what if you didn't take that half chance to go backstage to enable all of that, what ended up being the, the version of the journey that happened? You got all yep. of those. All of those. Isn't it good that you did act on that stuff? You've got that, and I guess even a, you know you, you you talked about the the duo with Ben, the Before Friday stuff. How that ultimately sort of became a little bit more than what you went down a went down a slightly different road than what you envisaged. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean. So you're I like, mean, what if what you know? Because it's hard to be like. It's sort of. Bright Lights Big City back then really isn't it like it's hard not to be dazzled someone's showing some interest in what you're doing you're going to go with it like now now's a completely different landscape now people can actually do their own shit in, in their own bedroom and they're kind of better off to do it in many ways yes uh, because that's reality and then you find yourself and you find out you find your audience if you've got one and all of that but back then you kind of you kind of got as close to hitting the jackpot as a, as a as an unknown artist can get just by getting someone's interest. Oh, absolutely! To and begin he, with, you know, you'd be a fool to turn it down. Yeah, and, as, and Malcolm Glad was was adamant at the start. You had to go and build a build a a, a thing, mm. a, um, a, a following. And whereas I was like, no, I'm just going to get songs on the radio. I'm not going to do that. Um, just you know, probably naively at the time, and and we did it. We achieved it. You yeah, know, we, we got these songs on on radio without ever having played. I think it was a, there was almost a time there where I felt so guilty because the record company had signed us and we were we were releasing some stuff and I don't think they'd even heard us play. Mm. You know, it was just it, it just happened in a, in a in a certain way. So I remember going up there one night and saying, well, "Look, why don't we let's at least play at your Friday drinks? Mm. Show you that we actually can <laughs> can, can yeah. perform these songs." You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was just that was just the timing. Yeah. And what happens with Brady? What when does the communication with him fall, fall away, if at all, and how? Yeah. So we probably when you when you get involved in these sorts of things, you really are just finding your way, mm. really. And you know, we probably um, once the album, once the record company had probably decided that look, they was they weren't going to invest a whole lot more time and energy into the album because it wasn't wasn't charting and doing all the things, all the measures that, that it needs to. I guess, you know, if, if I do think about some regrets, it probably was the way in which I handled some of the stuff with Brady towards the end there because you start getting into producer credits and all this sort of stuff and you, you know nothing about these things, you know. Mm-hmm. You just, you just, um, you just go and blind. Mm. You, you just go with the flow. So... I think we probably ended up sort of parting ways a little bit around just some of the uh, mechanics of how things were going to work out. Mm. And it was his first album that he produced as well. I'm sure by the time he got down here and did all the stuff with the rest of the New Zealand artists that it was a, he, he had a format which, which worked. Mm. But I think the combination of just being just over it at that stage and um, just being pulled and and pushed in certain areas and everyone wants a you know you, you sort of you write these songs and you're passionate about these songs and then someone wants a certain percentage of them and it's it's 
not necessarily particularly well explained to you at the time. And mm. you know, and I think a combination of all those sort of things were probably more, to go back to your word, you know, sunk with the things that probably sunk the, the album. So is it is there a long day or two in bed at one point or is it just like No, I don't remember no, I don't remember that. No. Just well I've just moved yeah, on really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just moved on and yeah. I mean I've I mean I I got a great life. Yeah. I've been married to Kat for however many years that's been, fifteen odd years and uh, three kids and you know, I work for a great great company and, and I I still play in a band a corporate sort of covers band that we all play in. There's yeah. five of us today. Ben's uh, the drummer in that band, and so I, I still get a music fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um, and you still go to shows and I, I still have favourite albums and find new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're still, still really invested as a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't need to be an artist to enjoy music. Yeah, yeah. That part was there, and yeah. that's been nurtured the whole way through. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what about writing songs today for you? Yeah, did that did that dry up altogether? Did you have a big break from doing it, or do you continue to write songs? Yeah, I, I continue to uh, to dabble at it, but I've always been like I don't necessarily just enjoy picking up the guitar just for the heck of playing the guitar, right? <laughs> I, I, I've always I'm a bit of a sort of I've got to have a purpose, so. Someone's either asked me to write a song or I'm writing a song for an album and then I sort of kick into gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but every now and then I will end up, I've got lots of little wee recordings on my um, on my mobile phone with little melodies that come into my head and, and I often wonder what will happen to those mm. uh, one day. But, but the mm. guitar's around the house and unfortunately these days I'm sort of told to put the guitar down yeah, in yeah. the house yeah. and anything with the kids and, and so forth. Are they any of them showing any major musical tendencies yet, or not? Not at, all? at this stage. Yeah. No, no, yeah. they're dabbling. They're dabbling. But yeah. I know, I know that they, um, as much as they give me shit about it, um, I know that the all of their friends have seen the music videos in their classroom and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So there's yeah. a there's a subtle sort of um, bit of pride there from them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Phil Judd told me that when people would sometimes describe him or anyone as a one-hit wonder. He w- he would say, "Well, it's better than being a no-hit wonder." And I'm thinking, like, you know, in the context of your family and friends and your life, if anyone's gonna bring up, "Oh, remember when you tried to do this or whatever?" It's like you did actually do it. Like mm. you you're you've got one album under your belt, and a lot of the people that might try to either give you grief or want to laugh about that, even even, you know, in good spirits, they don't have an album to their name, let alone one that's got mm. Emily Harris mm. and Nora Jones on it, right? You know, like, like yeah. you st- I, I guess I'm saying you, you did the work and the work's still there and if people want to find it, they can. Like, the album's on Spotify, yeah, the album's right. around, yeah. the, the, the clips are on YouTube, you made some video clips as well as they're just being like the album clips on YouTube. Yep. Like, people can see all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think these days, though, the whole idea of even 15 years ago, let alone you know going back and looking at some of the heroes that, that mm. we're into, doing an album today just seems so simple, so easy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you tell people, um, or uh, I did an album, or whatever, I mean, they'll they'll often say to you, "Oh yeah, one of our friends' daughters did an album recently in the bedroom." <laughs> yeah, yeah. The it's whole not quite the same. They yeah, just yeah, don't yeah. have the same gravitas because yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. the money and the energy and the time that goes yeah, into it. So it's yeah. funny these days. So. Yes, that doesn't necessarily have the same amount of kudos that it, that it might have had yeah. fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let alone 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, it's got yeah, hard case, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like, hey, I, I, I sit here and it, you know it's awesome to come and have a chat, and because I think, you know, we were really proud of of mm. the journey that we went on there, and 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 it has it just has these little. Um, almost dreamlike sequences, you know. It does have these little moments, like just the whole, the Emmylou Harris connection, the, the the gig and, you know, there's several steps in that where it could have, where people could have tried to do that 
on any level and it stops you know I mean I've been backstage at concerts before it's not mm. a place I particularly like to be unless I have a purpose but but um you go there and it's like for all the people going backstage at a big gig and thinking that the the window of opportunity is going to open like there's several people there to stop that happening and several reasons why that would never happen yeah that's you know right. what i mean yeah. like so it's like it's one thing to just even go backstage it's another thing to get in a conversation mm. yet another thing to actually be taking these people on the town yeah why do and they then let the us even out there? that's right mm. and then the follow-through of and, and you will have thought about all of these things mm. you'd have been thinking about them in a pinch yourself way at one point and then you just think about them in a kind of fuck was that really me that's crazy mm. kind of way i imagine these days but like you know, Ben going back with the tape and then it actually being... I mean, there are, there are famous stories, you know, there's that famous story of Madonna handing Mick Jagger her tape and him just chucking it in the bin in front of her, you know. <laughs> like when she, you know, and that, you know, the number of times that must happen. Yeah, people, that's right. You know. Well, it's like all these things in life, though, right, they all need to, um, they all need to line up to yeah. a certain point. And, yeah. Um, and, and in this case, you know, that, that there was just a, a gap at the end, basically, where things things just didn't didn't line up yeah. for, for the album and for yeah. the, for the future of the album. Yeah. And so, at some point in time, that all that all those things are going to there's, there's going to be a fall off, right? This this diminishing. Yeah. Luck. Or serendipitous mm-hmm. um, layer going on. And in many ways, the the far worse version of the story would have been to be stubborn and keep trying and, and having no success, right? Like, I think there's a really uh, honourable and admirable thing about knowing when to call time on something and go, well, I'm just going to move that around. As you mm. say, music's still in your life. Mm. You've just moved it. Yeah. It's not, it's not the prime focus and it's not, yeah. it's not you bending to someone else's vision and hitting and hoping. It's, I'm going to have a career and have livelihood and have a family and all of those things are way better than hitting and hoping and not quite getting it right on any level, aren't they? Absolutely. And look, and I've, I've certainly got no intention of, of uh, being a, um, a star and never did. In fact, I would have been quite happy just being... I, I, I've always just loved doing backing vocals. And, you know, it's one of the things that I always zone in on an album. Mm. And um, I went and saw um, the Eagles recently when they were yeah. out here. Yeah. And I, I, I would I would almost see it as making it as just doing BBs for those guys and playing a bit of rhythm guitar. Not that that's ever going to happen, but you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, that would have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have been just happy doing that. Yeah, for sure. There's just something something quite cool about making up that that um, that part of the 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 music thing, or even looking at that Steely Dan. Uh, Asia album there. Yeah, yeah. And all those amazing BVs on. Yeah. On those albums. Yeah, Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald. <laughs> I mean, that's that's way more fun than 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 heaps of stuff I've done musically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I guess another what what if, in a way, could be like, well, what if one of those songs had found its way to Robbie Williams and he'd recorded it, or or someone like mm, that. Well, that would have been nice. Certainly at that time too would have made a lot of sense, you know. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, that, that, yeah, that would have been amazing. I mean, you'd make some great royalties out of that, wouldn't you? Mm. Um, and it wouldn't, that, wouldn't have phased me. Well, is that, I, I, I wondered with your sort of mindset and how I know you, if in a way that was probably the, the great unlucky what if, like, you know, whether you could have tweaked it and reinvented yourself as a songwriter that, mm. that, Spit things out to people. Yeah. Or, or, or someone came calling and, and picked up something off, you know, like what if Emily Harrison, Brady Braid, Lady Braid recorded something off your album under her name? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, but I think that all comes back to how you um, how you leave those relationships as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I said before, yeah. that's probably the, the part of the regret in that. Yeah. Perhaps I could have transitioned from not doing the artist thing, but certainly doing that and, and utilising those those connections. Yeah, yeah. But, that, you know, that's not to say that all, all that stuff's not, not over either because the great thing about writing songs, of course, and, and being in, uh, in the music scene, as long as you're not in the in the 
the front end of it mm. is you can go on and, and write songs and, and, and have a contribution in so many different ways, eh? Mm. Mm. Particularly these days. So, mm. um, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm not sure what the, what the future holds musically other than our little... Um, you've still got your hand in. You've still got, you, you've still got your hand in. You're still playing. You're still singing. Yeah, still doing that. Yeah. And um, we'll see what happens with the kids and whether they whether they get into things a little bit more. Mm. And you just don't know what comes around the corner, eh? Mm. You, you just never know. Mm. Something may come up. It's not too late.